Good evening, Revolution students. Yeah. So glad to be here with you all here in Canton and in Jasper. Um, I've had the privilege of being able to lead worship. My name is Tim, by the way, and normally when you see me, um, I might be singing or playing a guitar. So this is kind of a little bit of a different change up. Talk about upside down. We're, we're flipping things around even for me tonight. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I have a couple fears with speaking. One, what if I have to go to the bathroom? Okay. And we know the rules here, which means you got to hold it. So, and that applies even for speakers. So I'm really nervous about that. And two, normally when I'm singing, they put the lyrics, everything I'm supposed to say back on the screen. So if I forget it, I have something to say. I don't have that now. But someone gave me a bailout plan earlier today, and I want to appreciate that right now. They said, if you start to bomb, all you have to do is start to sing. So I have that in mind now. So if I start singing, you know why. But we could just go ahead and start that. Never ending story. Ah. Actually, it was better than I thought. Really good. Very good, everybody. Good job. All right. Now that we got that over with. Okay, so we've been in this series uh, called Upside Down. Uh, it's been an incredible series so far. Just kind of unpacking um, parts of Jesus' story in the book of Mark how he interacted with people, and oftentimes how what he taught was, was different and upside down thinking than what culture told us and what um, culture still tells us or what we might even believe. Um, and so I wanna kind of set, tonight we're gonna be in the book of Mark in chapter eight, um, and we're gonna be starting in verse 31, but before we start reading the passage for tonight, I wanna kind of set up a little bit of context for where we're about to pick up. So this is right where, Jesus um, is asking his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And they've been following him now for a little while, and so they answer him, they say, some people say you're John the Baptist, some people say that you're Elijah, some people say you're a prophet, and then he gets a little more personal and he says, who do you say that I am? And then Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ. And um, this is the right answer. And, and one thing, and this will lead into this next passage, but another thing that's so important for us when we're reading the Bible and studying God's word is to know in what context and, and culture was this written and who was it spoken to? Because there's different meanings of different words that we might have, and when we read something from one perspective, it might look different than if we read it from a whole nother's perspective. And so at this time, people believed that there was a Christ that was gonna be coming. Many believed that. But what they had in mind is they thought that, that Christ was gonna come. They didn't know it was Jesus. They knew that a Messiah or Christ was, um, was prophesied to come, and they believed that he was gonna have a great earthly kingdom. It was gonna be powerful. It was, he would be the king of all, and he would rule everything here on earth when he came. And so it's important for us to understand what the stereotype of the coming Christ was gonna be. And now let's go ahead and get into um, the passage for tonight. Mark chapter eight and verse 31 says, he then began, which is Jesus talking here. He then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So again, we understand there's a stereotype about the coming Christ. And this is the very first prediction that Jesus makes, that he came and the Son of Man is gonna die, he's going to suffer. So he already now, he's, he's flipping this stereotype. 
And this is why we can see why Jesus rebukes him. And the word rebuke is not just a casual like, man, Jesus, you probably shouldn't say that. I don't totally agree. Rebuke, this is the same word that is used in other parts of the gospel for rebuking demons. So it was a very serious disagreement that Peter had with this. And again, if you understand the whole stereotype of it, it makes a little bit of sense. And if we put ourselves in Peter's shoes, I give him a little bit of a break. Because here he is, he's a fisherman. And Jesus comes along and asks him to follow him. And, and he becomes a follower. He leaves his livelihood. He leaves everything that he's ever known and follows Jesus, who he just now has admitted he believes is Christ. And he also believes that the Christ means he's gonna have an earthly kingdom that he's going to reign here on earth now. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is now introducing this new idea saying, no, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And so it was like, wow, okay, well that makes a little more sense why Jesus is like, no, 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 Jesus, that's not right. And so for Peter, he had this idea of Jesus and then he turns out, he finds out that there's something different that he, he doesn't know about Jesus. Jesus isn't who he might think he is. And I think we've all had friendships and known people in our life that we thought they were one person or one way, and then later on we find out something different and it, it almost changes the whole perspective. I was trying to think of a really good example for you guys to explain this, and I thought of a really good one. If nothing else, you'll just enjoy the story, I think. So I grew up going to church and uh, I loved camp. How many of you went to camp this past year? Awesome, okay. If you didn't go this past year, I encourage you to make it a priority to go this next year. Camp is awesome. I, I loved doing every year as, as I was growing up because one, learn more about the Lord. Two, you just make great relationships with other people. And three, for me, it was I always met new girls. So I'm gonna be honest, that's, that's why I, I didn't always go for the right reasons, but the Lord still used that. So even if that's your reason for going, just go ahead and go. The Lord can work through that for you. So sixth grade, sixth grade camp year, I go to camp and, you know, I see this girl. She's cute. Yeah, yep. I see this girl. Guys, I'm just gonna go ahead and give you the ending. Uh, she's not my wife now, so it's not that girl. That would, be a really, that would be a really awesome story, but it's not her. Anyhow, so, and for most of you who are trying to have a girlfriend or boyfriend in sixth grade, <laughs> Okay, we'll just leave it there. So I see her, she's cute. I think she looked at me and just like any mature sixth grader would do, a big, bold, I, I you know, went over there to my friend and I said, hey, could you go tell her that I think she's cute? And, uh, you know, and then he, he does, of course, and you know, there's that back and forth. I don't even remember all the details, but somehow we begin talking. We start sitting together in all the sessions and... You know, I, I honestly don't even remember many conversations, so we probably didn't actually talk. We just sat next to each other. You know, the awkward middle school relationships. Yes, okay. And at one point, then I finally I asked her out. Whatever that even means when you're in sixth grade, however old that makes you, I asked her out, so we were going out, whatever, and if my parents are here are gonna watch. They probably didn't know about this at all. Um, so then camp's over, and I'm just all bummed out. I'm like, oh man, she doesn't even go to my church. I'm never gonna see her. But I had her phone number, I had her phone number. And uh, so I called her. She didn't answer, left a voicemail. And then again, like any mature sixth grader would do, I called her another probably eight times that same day. 
she still didn't answer. And in this, what makes this even better is this was before I had a cell phone, before she had a cell phone. Uh, so it was my home phone to her home phone. So I'm leaving voicemails on her, her parents' voicemail. Yeah, yeah, it's real good. And, and to be honest, I don't even remember all of the details of how the conversation ended up playing out, but it turns out she had a boyfriend already. And uh, she kind of just wrote me off. So we technically never even broke up. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But I thought one thing of her. So I had an idea. We, you know, we, we got so close uh, just sitting by each other and talking awkwardly for a while. But I had one idea and perspective. And then all of a sudden, within a week, I had a different idea. You know, this isn't exactly what happened to Peter, I realize. But it's still, we, we can understand when you think you know something about somebody and then you find out new information, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I think it's fair to say um, now, Peter was, was thrown off, and this is why he was so harsh with his you know, disagreement with, with Jesus here. And it shows that we don't always, what we know or what we think we know is not always right. Um, culture does not define who Jesus is, but God does. I'll say that again. Culture does not define who Jesus is, and God does that. So here we go into verse 33. Um, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So here we go. Now, now the table's turned, and not only does Jesus rebuke him in the same way, but he even goes a step further and, and says, get behind me, Satan. And then he says something that to me is just so profound, profound and sums up who we are so much. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Is not just not like a perfect picture of who we are, constantly living with, with our understanding and perspective, trying to humanize everything. We try to humanize and Americanize Jesus when the truth is he was God before he was human. He's never been American. So when we're trying to think that we can fit him in a box and he has to fit our mold, we may just find out that he's actually not who we want him to be or who that we think he's gonna be. And uh, we may not always like it, but we better never make God something that he is not. So again, culture does not define who Jesus is and God defines it. And this is clearly what you're seeing. Jesus is fighting the culture saying, you might've said one thing about who I am and who I'm gonna be, but this is who I'm actually going to be. So now it turns in, in another direction. So in verse 34, it says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So here, the crowd gets back involved, and not only is Jesus saying, hey, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die, but he's saying, if you wanna follow me, you too better be ready to suffer and die. It's like, okay. Now, I'm just imagining if I was God's, or Jesus's PR, public relations person, I'd probably be like, listen, Jesus, let's just have a conversation real quick. I've read several books on marketing and uh, trying to, I've read how to win friends and influence people, get more followers on my, my social media accounts. And the way you're going about it may not be the best way. You really wanna give people what they want. You don't wanna say stuff like, hey, follow me, you'll die. Okay, like this may not be the best approach, Jesus. And yet that's how he does it. And you know what's crazy to me is how Consistently throughout the gospel, Jesus draws a very hard line. 
He tells somebody, when they ask him, what must I do to follow you? He says, oh, just give everything you have away and follow me, knowing that that was the idol in that man's, that man's life. He told someone, don't even bury your father. And he's saying here, if you wanna follow me, you must be willing to pick up a cross and suffer for me. That's what it's gonna take to follow me. And this just shows that we have our idea of what the gospel means, and oftentimes we just sugarcoat it. We have this American gospel that says, hey, hey, do you wanna go to hell? No, you don't? Okay, well, just trust Jesus and you can go to heaven. Okay, that's good, yeah. Do you want a better life? Just trust Jesus and you can go to heaven. And so often what happens is we trick people or we got tricked, maybe even ourselves, into to following what we thought was Jesus but really, we're not even following how Jesus says. We're not even true followers because Jesus makes it very clear. It's not, hey, don't just get out of the hell line and come to the heaven line, and then, yeah, you're on my side. You're following me. He's saying, no, do you wanna follow me? You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's what it's gonna take. So Jesus defined what it meant to be a follower. And we have the wrong idea, I think, often of what it means to be a follower because the word has changed in the past 10 years because now we use it on social media. Even looking up the definition of follower, there's several different definitions. And when we follow someone on social media, um, is it really like we're following them or not? So a couple definitions, I think it's gonna be on the screen. Meaning of follower, one, it says one that tracks another. And this is definitely what social media is. It's really more of tracking than following. So you follow someone, you don't know them, they don't know you, you can choose to like something, you can choose to dislike it. You might share it, you might ignore it, you might scroll past it, but it's really almost like you're watching them, but you're tracking them, you're tracking them. And then there's the true definition of follower, and this is the one that Jesus is talking about. It says, one that imitates another. And this is what following really means. So someone does something, and you're just gonna, you know, they go like this, you do like this. I mean, it's, it's literally imitating. What you do, I do. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you wanna follow me, you do what I do. This is what following means. It doesn't mean you just like me on social media and then you can choose what you do like or what you wanna like and what you don't wanna like. That's not the same and that's not what he's saying. So he goes and defines it again some more. So deny yourself. What this means is we don't live for ourselves anymore. So we wanna follow Christ. That means I'm not living for Tim anymore. I'm living for, for God and what he's called me to do. My desires need to be his desires. My want-tos need to be his, his want-tos. Pick up your cross. Now, this one was a really hard one because, again, in our culture, a cross can be even a symbol of hope or we, you know, we, we put it in jewelry, we tattoo it on ourselves. But in this time, that was an excruciating, brutal way of executing people. And in fact, about 70 years before this, Rome was quenching out a rebellion and over 6,000 people were crucified. So when they, he's saying, pick up your cross, what people are hearing is like, what? Like, it's a big deal. This is not just a, oh yeah, pick up that, you know, that jewelry thing that we like. No, this is like a modern equivalent. It's not even close to that really, but like you know, sit in the electric chair or something that's very, it's very like, doesn't even make sense why someone would say, follow me, you have to do this. It's, it was a, a means for torture and execution. Um, but he's saying, based ultimately, if, if you are not willing to die, suffer, and be shamed 
for me, then don't even bother following. So that begs the question, are you following Jesus or a follower of Jesus? Are you tracking him or are you imitating him? Are we treating him like we do anybody else, any celebrity or something we might follow on social media? And yeah, we like some of his stuff. I don't disagree, I disagree with that though, so I'm gonna leave that part alone. Or are we imitating me? No matter what he calls me to do, no matter what he tells me to do, and no matter what his word says, even if culture tells me something totally different, I'm all in. I'm all in. In verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. So once again, Jesus turns things upside down. We have one idea of how we can win at life. And we think, man, I'm just gonna be successful in this. I'm gonna do well in this, do well in this. And that's how I win. You say, no, 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 no. Listen, you can gain all of this stuff here and you lose. Or be willing to lose and have little and suffer, whatever it might be. And that's how you win. You're following me. And that's, and that's what he, he's flipping it upside down. And, and I think we often are playing a game and we don't know the rules or maybe we know the rules, but we're not living by the rules and we don't even care. And this reminds me of when I was a kid, I, I played, uh, I didn't really play many sports when I was really little, but one time my sister was playing um, baseball and this is when I was like five. She's like a year older than me. I showed up to the game and uh, they were short a player, so I got to play. So this was, this was a big deal for me, so I'm so excited. So here I am, I'm ready to hit it and Bam, I hit the ball so far. Actually, I think it was just T-ball, so probably bunted it, just a little, little bunt here. But then I ran, I ran so fast, I ran around first, second, third, all the way home. Meanwhile, once I crossed there, I realized people are laughing, the coach is chasing me down, um, people are, you know, just they're, just, they're just having a good time, realizing that I was supposed to stop at first base. I had no idea. I had no clue at all. I was playing a game, I didn't know the rules. All I knew is if I go over to home base, that's how you get a point. So I just wanted to try to get there and get a point. But I ran around, I did my own way. I never found out you know, how to actually do it the proper way. And I think many of us, we treat life in that way, in that regard. We are running this, this, this life, we are living this life with our rules and we don't even understand, hey, what the world tells you is how you win at life is not actually how you win at life. And what does Jesus tell you? How can you win? He says, says, if you want it to save your life now, you're gonna lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I didn't know the rules of that game. I didn't know how it was gonna end. And that's how we live. But Jesus is defining what the rules are. He's saying, there's two ways you can live your life. You can live for you and you can try things your way. And in the end, you're gonna realize you have nothing or try it my way. You can imitate me, come and follow me. But listen, 
you come and follow me, that means you must be willing to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. There's an incredible quote that says, Satan promises glory, but in the end you receive suffering. God promises you suffering, but in the end that suffering is transformed into glory. And that's what it is right there. We can live for ourselves, live for this world, what culture tells us, what culture tells us Jesus should be, what Jesus should be okay with. And we can try that. And then in the end, we're gonna come face to face with, with God. And he's gonna say, listen, no, no, no. That's not how the game ends, no. Or we can choose to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him. And will we always suffer on this earth? The reality is we live in a broken world. So whether you follow Jesus or you don't, there's suffering all around us. Um, there's, there's broken relationships, broken people, there's illnesses. The Bible literally says that the earth groans, waiting to be redeemed by the Lord. So there's gonna be suffering, no matter what you do. And, and what I think is so, why, why Jesus was so straightforward and harsh with this is saying, if you are not willing to die for me, you're not even willing to live for me. And so this is why it's so, so important for us to understand and accept. Are you willing to die for Christ? Because if we can answer that question, say, if that happened, so be it. Yes, I will follow Jesus. Once we are willing, we know what we're willing to die for, it changes how we live. And this is why there's, there's churches overseas in areas where there's great persecution, but the churches are booming because the people are forced to choose. I'm either all in or I'm all out. And we have made it so easy in this American culture where we can be on the fence and it's okay. It's safe here. I can choose the ways of the Lord sometimes when I want, or I can choose the ways of the world when I want. And so Jesus is making it very clear. What does it cost to follow me? What does it cost to be able to imitate me instead of tracking me? And I think another thing that as I was preparing for this, that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share is just our perspective of Jesus and God oftentimes is one of, he's just looking up there and waiting for us to mess up and say, how dare you? I knew you were a failure or a loser. And that's not his heart or attitude at all. Jesus is up there and he's saying, oh, if you only knew, when we do something wrong, when we choose ourselves instead of denying ourselves, he's saying, oh, if you only knew what plans I have for you, if you would just walk the road that I have carved out for you, if you would follow me, do you know what I would do with your life? Do you know what I could do in your school? Do you know what I could do in your family if you would just follow me and act like I matter? And that's, that's the call. That's the response tonight. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and you close your eyes. And ultimately, we must decide, are we gonna follow Christ or are we gonna just continue to track him and hope, hope that our way works out.
And there's a couple of groups of people here tonight. I wanna to talk to the first is one that maybe the Jesus that you think you know or you've heard about, maybe you have never even trusted in him. Maybe at some point you have, you've had this understanding or thought that because you went to church or because you, you decided you didn't wanna to go to hell and you wanted to go to heaven, that means that you are now a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian. And then we see these, this text where Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must be willing to deny yourself and pick up your cross. And are you willing to do that? I'm gonna give you an opportunity here in just a minute um, to be able to trust in Jesus if you haven't done that for the first time. And the truth is Jesus came and he died on the cross. He came to suffer and take a punishment that we deserve because of the sin that we have to give us a new life in him. And we may not always suffer on this earth. The reality is life is, is full of many good things. And with Jesus, oh, it's full of so much joy. But we must be willing to, to answer that question. Are we willing to suffer if that's what it costs? Am I willing to be embarrassed at school? Am I willing to be a Jesus freak with my friends and be uncomfortable? So if you wanna trust in Jesus tonight, just repeat this prayer and you can do it silently to yourself. Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I understand that Jesus came to, gave me, to give me a new life. I desire to follow you and trust in you. Help me to deny myself and be willing to pick up my cross to follow you. Now, if you said that prayer, we just wanna give you some information just to kind of help you know what the next step is for you. Um, so if you would, just lift your hand here and in Jasper. We're gonna just, uh, someone's gonna come by and, and, and give you something. Thank you. Now, for, for many of us, this next response is for us. You may have trusted in Christ, but you have, you've been holding back. There's areas in your life right now that the Holy Spirit is, is, is prompting on your heart saying, you have not surrendered this to me. This is an area that you have not denied yourself. You've been living your way and not my way. And so this is what I wanna ask, just to, just to get us to admit this. How many of you would say tonight, there's something in my life that I need to give to Jesus? I've been doing things my way and there's an area that I wanna do it his way. Would you raise your hand? And the truth is, I have my hand up here too. You can put your hand down. There's areas in my life where I know I need more of Jesus. I need to have stronger faith to not be embarrassed or ashamed of Christ. I need to, to count the cost. Am I truly a follower or am I just watching? Am I just tracking him or am I participating in following him? So Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you. God, that you came and you died on the cross for us, Lord, to give us new life, Lord. God, we thank you that you call us.
into more, that we get to be a part of the story, Lord, that we can lead others to you into a life that's got purpose and plans, Lord. We thank you that you have the attitude, oh, there's so much more. If you only knew the plans, God. God, and I pray for everyone in this room, God, students and adults, that we would recognize the potential that we have, God, if we would just follow you, surrender everything to you. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.